Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I want to talk about uh, this tonight, a hedge of protection. A hedge of protection. Let's pray for the teaching of the word tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for these precious souls in this building tonight. Lord, I pray you just help me to give good words to your people, Lord, to encourage them and strengthen them, Lord, that we might all learn and be better and grow in grace and knowledge of you. Lord, let everything be done to your glory tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. If you would give him one more hand clap and a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. What a wonderful, wonderful Savior he is. And you can be seated. God bless you in Jesus' name. I love teaching about uh, the word because we live by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. We need uh, the word of God. We've got to have it. We can't uh, do without it. You know, one writer wrote, I have hidden your word inside of my heart that I might not sin against thee. And often we only apply that to, well, we've hid that word in there, so I won't lie still, do the things that are in the Ten Commandments. You know. But the Bible says whatsoever is not faith is sin. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so we need in this day and hour to really be practicing the art of hiding God's word in our heart because if his word is in our heart, then faith will be in our heart. And that will keep us from being faithless in situations. You see, it's, it's not so hard for me to, to you know, lying or stealing or you know, getting drunk, things like that. That's not, that's not an issue for me. But I got to have faith to live this life and to walk this walk. The Bible says we walk by faith, the just shall live by faith. And uh, I don't want to be found, be doing all the, you know, not doing any bad thing, but I can't believe God for the miracles that I should be having, that I can't, uh, you know, uh, as this world begins to, to, to continue to progress in the wrong direction, we're going to need to rely on our faith more and more. And as we seek to get closer to God, we're going to need that faith more and more because the enemy is going to fight, your flesh is going to fight, this world is going to fight tooth and nail to keep you from going deeper uh, in the Lord. He doesn't want you to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. He doesn't want you to get faith where you can see miracles uh, happen and mountains being moved. He doesn't want that to happen. He wants to, to attack you and trip you up. But if the word is hid in your heart, you, know, you won't lose your faith. One of the big concerns that Jesus had with the key holder 
was what would he do when he was sifted as wheat. And he told Peter, he said, the enemy, Satan, has desired to have you to sift you as wheat. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Peter, you're going to cry. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be tossed to and fro, and that's okay. You can take the beatings. You can take the, the prison. You can take the persecution. As long as your faith doesn't fail, you'll make it. And as long as we have faith in God, uh, as, uh, friend, we're going to make it. And that's going to keep us. That's one big thing that keeps us from sinning against him is hiding the word in our heart so that we can have faith when things get bad. So we can have faith to pray for people and to minister and to do the things we're called to do. Uh, without faith, we can't please God. Said it's impossible. You see? You can, you know, a lot of people don't lie. They just don't lie. And it ain't got a thing to do with them loving God. It ain't got a thing to do with them having faith. They just don't lie. That's not in their, it's not in their name. They don't want to do it. They, oh, I'd rather be an honest person. It's, you know, there's a lot of people like that. But you can do all the right things, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. He's not uh, loving us and being pleased with us just simply because we decide, hey, I, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people, regard, they don't even believe in the Bible, but they'd never murder anybody. I'm not going to kill nobody. That's crazy. You know. well, well, you know what? You're keeping one of the commandments. They don't even see it like that. They're like, no, I'm just not a murderer. But see, so there's no faith involved with it. And so a lot of us, man, it's faith that keeps us from killing people. You know, <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it's, oh, I believe in the Lord, so you, see, you better be thanking God. You know, I've told people a lot of times, I said, oh, y'all ought to be so happy that the Holy Ghost found me. Because... Uh, because if we hadn't buried that old man, he'd be wrapped around your neck right now. <laughs> so, praise God. Mullets start growing back, man. You just get wild. Uh, well, so I, I believe in that word. and I believe in keeping the word. And in the, the writer in Ecclesiastes, again, I'm going to read through this. He said, He's at the end of the book. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the matter, the whole matter, not just one part. He said, let's, let's lump it all in. When it's all said and done, where are we at? And here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is, it's two things, but it's, it's lumped in as one. He is say, for those are the whole duty of man. He said, for this, fearing God and keeping the commandments. Uh, We've got to do both. And we live in a world that doesn't fear God anymore. Now, let me tell you this. Believing in God and fearing God is not the same. You can believe in God, and, uh, but not revere him. The word fear uh, there means to revere God, to reverence God. And so a biblical application of that would be that we have a profound respect and love for God with an attitude of honor, gratitude, and obedience. Um, we, but it can't just be attitude. We must also have reverent behavior toward God. The things we do should be pleasing to God. Anything we're doing 
uh, is it pleasing to God? Now, look, don't, don't get crazy with it. Oh, is God going to be upset with me riding this bicycle? No. I don't care if you ride a bicycle unless you stole it. Then you're not being very reverent to God because you're riding the, something you just broke the commandment to get on. So, but you get what I'm saying. You, you, you're not going to analyze, oh, if I eat this with a fork or a spoon, is this going to be pleasing? To that? Don't, don't get silly with that. But our behavior should reflect our reverence toward God. We, the things that we do, the way we walk and carry ourselves in this life, uh, we fear God. It's, it's beneficial to us to fear God. There is a needed fear in this world, a reverence for God. There are people who want to go to heaven, but they don't reverence God. Nobody wants to go to a lake of fire, wants to go somewhere where they'll be punished for eternity. Nobody wants that, but they still don't reverence God. The book of Revelation talks about even after great plagues and things happening, said still men would not turn and fear God and worship God and, and thank God. It's, it's just it's something that gets, uh, if the human nature just gets too far gone, it just will not turn to God. And I don't want that in my walk. I don't want to say, well, I believe in the Lord. I believe he's coming back one day, but then live like I don't honor him. He's the king. He's the Lord, not just a king. He's the king, the king of kings, not just a Lord, but the Lord, the Lord of lords. And so he said, this is the whole duty of man, this, fear God and keep his commandments. In Psalm 34, 9, it says, oh, fear the Lord, his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Well, if there's no want to them that fear him, then uh, that, that means what we read in Psalm 23 applies here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, the, the sheep reverence in the relationship between him and the shepherd, knowing uh, this relationship. He is my shepherd, and I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to be led by him. I'm going to be protected by him. I'm going to be cared for by him. And I'm going to reverence him. And there is no want to them that fear him. Psalm 128 and 1 says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord and that walks in his ways. Proverbs 1 and 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In chapter 9 and verse 10, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs 10 and 27, The fear of the Lord prolongeth Days. You know, it, it's not some kind of fountain of youth, but just living in a reverence and fear for God keeps you from doing things that'll kill you. It, it will help you prolong your days. You'll live longer. You'll definitely live happier fearing God. In Proverbs 14 and 26, it says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. You know, when you have this reverence toward God, you have this confidence that comes along with that, and it's the confidence in your walk with God, what he'll do, what he is to you, who you are to him, and it sets you free from the opinions and thoughts of others or the world. 
Well, you reverence God and fear God, there's strong confidence in that, and you don't worry about what the world thinks. You don't worry about what is going on around the planet because you know, I fear the Lord and I'm going to make it because I fear the Lord. One place it says, they that fear the Lord shall come forth of them all. You want to come through what you're going through? Then keep your eyes on God and fear him. There is a, a needed fear in this land. It's not a cowering terror a fear like we're going to be hit with a lightning bolt any moment that we mess up. It's this reverence that we have toward God. And notice that in Ecclesiastes, he didn't say keep the commandments and fear God. He put it in order. God is worthy of the reverence whether we're serving him or not. That's why he said if, you don't, if these kids hush up, they don't, these rocks are going to start crying out because God's worthy. He's the creator of it all. And so he's worthy of worship and reverence. And, and so uh, the, get, make sure that we have it in order. Don't be trying to keep the commandments so God will love you better. We talked about that already uh, this week. But um, what we need to remember is that God is worthy of my worship and of my best and of my reverence and of a proper attitude of respect and love for me because he's already done everything he could to make sure I could make heaven my home. And so before he loved me, before I knew him. And so he's worthy of these things. So let's make sure that uh, we're, we're getting that right. In uh, Proverbs 14 and 27, it says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. That reverence in God will lead you in the right place. It'll get you out of things. It'll, it'll take care of you. And then one of my favorite verses, uh, Proverbs 19 and 23, it says that the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. Now, when you're tending to something, you're taking care of it. If you're tending a garden, that's not, you go out there and check on it every two weeks and, uh, and you just let the weeds grow or you just let the, animals come in and eat it up or you know that's not somebody just scattering seeds and say we'll see what happens when you're tending something you're taking care of it and he said the fear of the Lord it will take care of your life and when you have this fear this reverence toward God you abide satisfied and shall not be visited with evil now that doesn't mean that bad things don't come our way He's not saying that, well, you'll never, it's like a force field and nothing bad will ever happen. And you'll, we're going to give an example of that in just a moment. But uh, it's not, you're not going to have these just evil things constantly. You're, you're not going to be stuck with evil. You're not going to be stuck in bad days. You're not, you know, we're, we're in this world and, 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 uh, when that uh, evil comes against you, it's not going to take you out because it rains on the just and the unjust. We have things that happen to all of us. Time and chance happens to us all. And uh, so we know that good things, bad things happen to good people. We know that. But somehow then people still make it through because it's the fear of the Lord that brings us forth of it all. And so the whole duty of man is this, number Fear God and keep his commandments. And that's not something just 
knew that uh, this writer in Ecclesiastes wrote, God was always talking to his people about that. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, it says, And now Israel, this is going back, this is, he's talking to Israel. What does the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God and walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. It's to mine and your benefit to fear God and keep the commandments. Going to church alone ain't enough. Reading your Bible alone, that ain't enough. Doing a good deed every once in a while alone, that ain't enough. He said, what we've got to do is fear God and keep his commandments. And he started that there in Israel, and it was a thought that they never let go of because the preacher in Ecclesiastes wrote this down to sum up the whole matter. He said, because you need to make sure you're doing this. This is the whole duty of man because God is going to bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it's good or whether it's evil. Friend, that's enough to sober me up. (laughs) When I I start thinking about uh, every idle word I'll give an account for, that's enough to make me put my hand over my mouth. Because I want to reverence and fear the Lord. And so uh, we have to fear God and keep the commandment. The word keep there in uh, Hebrew is shamar. And it means to hedge about as with thorns. In other words, he's saying when you fear God and keep the commandments... It's just like building a hedge around your life, but not just a, a, a cotton candy hedge. It's not a tissue paper hedge. He said it's like building a hedge of thorns. And uh, I, I looked up uh, this. Uh, Bibbs, I gave them a picture earlier. I don't know if he gave it to you to put up on the screen or not. He didn't do it. Well, the in several countries, but in Africa, the where the Maasai are at, um, they will actually, around their homes, around where their flocks are, around even their villages, they build walls of acacia trees with these big, giant thorns. And they do that, and it keeps lions from coming in and, and devouring their flocks or pulling their kids out of their huts at night. You know, it's, it's protection. They can sleep at night knowing they're living behind the hedge. And the Bible tells me I can lay my head down at night in peace and sleep when I trust in the Lord. And if I will uh, fear God and keep the commandments, it simply builds a hedge around my life because the comparison to me was this, is that there is a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. But you know who who he never gets? Those that fear God and keep the commandments. He, he can growl, he can holler, he can hiss, he can bite, he can scratch, but he ain't devouring nobody. He will never devour a, a God-fearing, 
uh, word, commandment-keeping child of the king. Never going to happen. And what we need as God's people is to get back to living behind the hedge of thorns. We need to get back to hiding that word so deep down in our heart that our faith cannot be shaken. Maybe that's why that one writer said, my heart is fixed. Not just like it was repaired. I'm talking about it's in a fixed location. It's not going nowhere. I'm trusting in the Lord. It doesn't matter which way the wind's blowing, how hard it's blowing. It doesn't matter what the heat of the day is. My heart is fixed. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to stand for the word of God. I'm going to keep living for God and reverencing God. I'm going to live my life in a manner that's pleasing to God. Now listen, don't get overwhelmed with that and think, oh my God, I can't make a mistake ever. I'm never going to make it. You know, let me tell you what a pleasing life is to God. Of course it would be if we never did. I write unto you that you sin not. That's what John wrote. And it would be great, wouldn't it? That we never fail or made a mistake. Here's what's pleasing to God. That when you fall, you call on him. What's pleasing to God is if you fall, you don't give up. If you make a mistake, you repent. It's not the Lord's will that any perish, but that all would come to repentance. He didn't write that to sinners. He wrote it to the church. He wrote this to the saints. He said, I don't want any of my children to be lost. So if you fall, if you fail, if you make a mistake, there's nothing more pleasing to the Lord than to, for you to say, God, I am sorry for what I've done. That's why David wrote a whole psalm about his mistake. God, I'm sorry for in thy sight I, only I have sinned and done this wickedness. And he was praying, creating me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Cast me not from your presence. He was just repenting over and over to God. I don't want to be lost. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And guess what? David stayed king and God loved David. And, and even though that put a little blemish uh, on his life and, it, and the prophet said, it, you're given an adversary an occasion to, to accuse you and come against you because of all this stuff, but you're not going to die. God's not going to kill you and you're still the king and, and, and things are going to be all right. And so you got to remember that God never said, loving me and, and following me, that you would never fall. But when we fall, there's nothing more pleasing to God than getting up. And so we've got to get back to just uh, hedging our life. The Bible says we understand by faith that the worlds were framed by the word of God. It, it, it gives it structure. It gives your world structure. You're not just living out on the streets. You're not homeless. you got a home. It's, it's something that, that builds around you and protects you and takes care of you. And the word of God's not a prison. It's not a prison wall to, to keep you in. But when we keep the commandments, it becomes a hedge of thorns to protect us, keeps us uh, safe from the snare uh, and, and the cares of this life. And it's not just for the Old Testament. Jesus said it in John 14 and 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. So if you love me, if you reverence me, if you honor me, if, if you adore me, if, and of course he's just right there just letting them know again, I'm the, the Lord, I'm God, 
is you can't be keeping Jesus' his commandments and God's commandments. They're the same. And, but he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so I, I do love him. And, and the word there in the Greek means to guard. It means to protect from loss or injury. That's what that hedge of thorns is doing. It's protecting us from losing precious things. It keeps us from losing our life, from losing our ministry, from losing our walk. I want to make sure that I am protecting myself. It, like I said, it, it, look it up sometimes and, and read how they do that. It, it was amazing to me looking at the structures that they would build, but they would uh, protect their crops, villages, uh, that hedge of thorns, animals can't get through it. But when you're just sleeping out in the open, somebody has to stay up and keep watch. So you, and, and even then, you might have to fight whatever's coming. But when, when you've got that hedge of thorns around you, no matter what comes your way, you're going to make it. And so that adversary, that roaring lion, let him roar. So what? Let him talk. He's lying. Just let him do what he's going to do because you're going to be safe behind that hedge as long as we keep the commandments and fear God. We need to fear God and keep the commandments. And one of the, the to me, uh, while I was studying this day, it just came back to me, uh, some, one of the greatest come through stories ever is Job. And the whole exchange in the beginning of the first chapter of Job is this, is as Satan is going to and fro, he comes to present himself with the sons of God that day and, and the Lord said, where you been? I've been going to and fro. Well, there's a roaring lion going, seeking whom he may devour. And the Lord said, well, have you considered my servant Job? There's not anybody like him in the earth. He's perfect and upright man. And listen, one that Feareth God. But then in Job 1, 9 and 10, this is the answer that Satan had to the Lord. Well, Satan answered, Lord said, well, Job fears you for, does he, does he fear you for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and the substance has increased in the land. Now, here's the problem is that Satan thought that Job feared God because of the stuff. But Job feared God regardless of what he had because Job would say when he lost it all, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. He would say words like, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And what the Lord knew was that Job was an upright man, God didn't come down to Job one day and say, look, you see all this stuff I, I got for you? I'm going to give this to you if you'll fear me. Oh, no. But if you fear me and honor me and worship me, you're going to be blessed. There ain't no way around that. And so Job was a man who feared God and hated evil. And there wasn't nobody like him in the land. And he was blessed in all his ways. We, we just read the fear of the Lord tends to life. Job's life was good because he feared God. And here's the thing, so he said, but now he's got a hedge about him. He thought the hedge was the stuff. He said, oh, look at all the stuff. Job's hiding behind all the stuff. That ain't the hedge. And the Lord said, go try him. 
And when God moved his hand to let Satan go and, and, and try him, the hedge was still there. And why Job didn't let go? Because the hedge was still there. When God moved that hedge, it had nothing to do with the hedge that was there because of Job's fear of God and keeping the commandments. Here's what Job said in Job 23. We love of that because we know when he tries me, I'll be like gold. But here's what Job said about his walk. He said uh, in 23 and 11, my foot has held his steps. His way have I kept. I've I, I put a hedge up. I feared God and I kept his ways. I have not declined from his steps. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. In Job, we get, we get to read about him all the way into in uh, chapter 42, how God blesses the latter end of Job uh, than, than his former. And, and Job is still alive, lives to a good old age, sees his uh, children and children for generations. And, and it's all because he was living his life behind that hedge of thorns. He feared God and he kept the commandments. Sometimes we just, oh, I want to I make it like Job. And, and, but man, look at Job's life. Don't just look at, uh, oh, he's going to come forth as gold, but read what the Lord said about Job. He fears me. He keeps my way. He hates evil. He, he, he's made a decision that he's going to live his life for me. And that's where uh, we've got to make sure we are getting back to the place where we are saying, I'm not just a church member. I'm not just part of an organization, but I fear God. And I reverence him. And, and I'm not just saying that when I pray or when I walk in the church. It's not got anything to do with it. Every step I take, I want it to be pleasing to God. I want to make sure that uh, in my home, as you know, a lot of times we have different roles. Well, uh, I am a husband. I want to make sure that I reverence God in my relationship to my wife. Uh, because uh, the husband and wife relationship, guess what that is? That's the image of Christ in the church. And if I, as the husband, am treating my wife like garbage or talking down to her or being ugly to her, guess what? I'm not walking in faith. I'm not fearing God, and I'm not keeping the commandment because God would never talk to us the way some of us talk to our spouses. I know that. Let me get a spoonful of sugar for that. I know that stuff, but it's the truth. God would never treat us the way we treat our family, our friends, other people. Come on. It's, it's in there. It's, you know, it's ah, choking on it a little bit. I know. I'm telling you. I want to fear God. I am a father. So I want to make sure that I am reverencing God in the way that I treat my children. I am a minister called uh, to pastor. I want to make sure that I am reverencing God in the way that I pastor people, in the way I treat people and talk to people. I'm just a plain old saint. You know what? I want to make sure that I am reverencing God in the way I treat my brother or sister or the stranger that I meet on the street. I want to make sure that I fear God and keep the commandments because this is the whole duty of man.
And the church can't be the church without the fear of God. We, we won't be the church of God without the fear of God. Because if, if, we don't fear, if we don't fear him, keeping the commandments don't mean nothing. It don't help us. We've got to fear God and keep the commandments. This combination is the whole duty of man. And so when we fear God and we keep, there's that hedge. Ecclesiastes 10 and 8 says, And whoso breaketh a hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Let me tell you, there's protection behind the hedge. There's protection behind that wall of thorns, behind those commandments. They're not, uh, like I said, they're not constraining. They're not here to, to, to keep you locked in like a prison, but they're, they're protection. So, so many times people look at God's word like it's a, uh, like a ball and chain, like it's a, a prison door slamming on them. But friend, it's a guardrail. Keeps you on the right path. It's a fence. It's a hedge. It protects you from the things that are coming your way. I don't want to live outside of the hedge of God's word. When I start breaking the hedge, when I start thinking, you know, when I've got keeping all those commandments, man, I've got that hedge. But if I ever start thinking, well, that commandment ain't, you know, I need to make a little wiggle room so I can slip through here every once in a while. You get on the other side of that hedge, he said, a serpent bites you. It's going to get you. We got to stay inside the hedge. We, don't want, we, we can't make it on the outside of the hedge of God's word. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, it says, Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? The only way to do it, by taking heed according to thy word. Now, with my whole heart I have sought thee, and then Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Don't let me get outside this hedge, God. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Here we are, back to it, that I might not sin against thee. So I've hid the word in my heart so that I can have faith in God. And faith will help you not steal, lie, cheat, and do those, those things, yeah. But faith in God will help you to pray right. It'll help you to act right. When you have faith that God is who he said he is, that he is coming back one day, when you have faith that God did wash you from your sins and fill you with the Holy Ghost, and then you begin to reverence God and, and fear him and serve him and honor him, and that's what keeps you from sinning against him. And again, not just the acts, but just being faithless. If I'm not doing the word, I'm faithless. I, I want to... Live by the commandment. Live by the word. We are the sheep of his pasture. And that word is that hedge that protects us. An enemy is wanting to devour you and tear you to pieces. We need the hedge to survive. In Psalm 119 and 98, it says, Thou through thy commandments. In other words, God, through your commandments, you have made me wiser than my enemy. Well, we, we've got a lot of enemies in the world, but the Word of God makes us wiser than our enemy. That doesn't mean, wiser is not necessarily smart. That's not necessarily smart, but wisdom, how to live, how to act, made you wiser than the enemy. 
You see things they don't. It, it makes you wiser. It, it, the, the enemy, you, your flesh, it makes you wiser than your flesh. A wise person realizes you don't walk into oncoming tra- traffic. A foolish person don't get that. And see, a, a wise person can keep their flesh under subjection because they're wiser than their flesh. Their flesh is saying, oh, do that. That'll feel good. And, but uh, when you fear God and keep the commandments, you're wiser than that. And you go, yeah, but it could cost me my walk with God. It could cause a bunch of trouble. It, you, you, wisdom, it'll keep you in subjection to God. That's why he said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so through your commandments, Lord, you have made me wiser than my enemies because they're always with me. There's always something trying to knock you off course. So don't ever let go of that fear of God and don't ever come out from behind that hedge. Live that life behind the hedge. The good thing for us is a hedge that goes with us wherever we go. It's not like we reside to a certain place. It's not just in here, in this room. Okay, because we, we say it, oh, if I can just make it to church on Sunday. But what if your car breaks down Saturday night? You know, what if you're on the way here and your motor blows up, you know, and you're stuck 20 miles away? Is it over now because you didn't make it here? We can't, we got to be careful about how we set our mind to things sometimes. And believe me, I'm all about get here. Be here. You know I am. But what I'm saying is that when you have that hedge, if you can't make it for some reason, what if you get sick and you're in the hospital for six weeks? Can you still make it? You know, I was watching uh, uh, End Times, uh, their show today, and, and they said a lot of states are starting to rumble about we may have to go back to closing things again because this COVID nonsense, you know, and they had Art Hodges on there and he was talking about what happened back in 2020 and, and they were asking the question, what are you going to do? Are you going to close down if they start this up again? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not. And, uh, you know, so uh, we've got to make sure that, but when that happened, a lot of people, a lot, of long-time saints went by the wayside in 2020 because they never came back. They, they had pastors on there commenting and different things. They said, we've got people that in 2020, we, we, we shut down and started doing online only. Worst thing we ever did, they said, because people never came back. But what, what that shows me is that somebody wasn't living behind the hedge. Somebody was looking for a reason. Oh, well, church is canceled, so, hey, look, we can watch it online. You know, we can watch it in our pajamas. We can watch it with a mouthful of cereal. It ain't the same. You can't lay hands on the sick through the TV set. You can't baptize nobody through the uh, monitor. Yeah. We got to get together, and we got to be here, and that's part of that hedge that we keep the word of God, that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's, that's part of it. And so we, but there's never a right reason to break the hedge of God's word. Hear me when I say that: never a right reason 
to break the hedge of God's word. There's never a right reason to do the wrong thing. Don't be pressured by others. Don't, don't try to outthink or rethink God's plan. Just live by the word of God. Saul, king of Israel, he was anointed by the same prophet that David was anointed by. And yet when he was given specific instruction, destroy all the Amalekites, don't leave nobody alive, don't leave no animals alive, kill everything. And when Samuel got to the camp, the first thing out of Saul's mouth, I have kept the word of the Lord. And Samuel said, well, then why do I hear all these animals making this racket? Oh, well, the people decided to keep the best stuff. But did God say it would be all right? Or did he say to kill it all? He said to kill it all. And you kept the king alive. And Samuel chopped the king up. He said, look, you can't try to rethink God's plan and think, oh, God just wasn't thinking because look at all these fine animals that we could keep for sacrifice and what. God didn't want their stuff. He didn't need their stuff. He didn't need obedience. That's why Samuel told him, obedience is better than sacrifice. Be obedient to the word of God. I mean, Adam and Eve were in paradise. Had everything they could have possibly wanted, but they broke the hedge. And that serpent got them. In Genesis 3 and 3 and 4, it says, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said. That's enough right there. God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. That's it. But then the serpent said, whispering from the other side of the hedge, it's I know it's not a hedge that you can really see, but he was on the other side of the hedge of that promise, and he said, you shall not surely die. Oh, well, man, if I won't die, man, this fruit really looks good because it said it was pleasing to the eye. That was number one, lust of the eye. Their flesh started getting involved in this situation, and it looks good. Well, I've touched it, I picked it, I bit it, Handed it to my husband. He took a bite of it. You break a hedge, the serpent bites you. Adam and Eve were bitten. They were removed from the garden because they broke the hedge. And guess what? Have you seen them lately? You know why? They died because death entered in. It happened just the way God said it would happen. But as long as they had stayed behind that commandment and, and feared God, hey, you'd be still, you'd be talking to Adam and Eve today. <laughs> Listen, the world is in the shape it's in. I'm, I'm checking the clock. I'm watching to make sure I'm good. The world is in the shape it's in today because people no longer live among the thorns. They no longer hedge themselves about with God's word. They say, I believe in God, but they don't keep the commandment. He said, fear God and keep the commandment. That's why uh, there's addiction, diseases, murder, lying, war, immorality, all kind of stuff going on, all because people broke the hedge. 
Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. He said, uh, this know also that in the last days, perilous times will come. We're living in those days. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parent, unthankful, unholy. All that right there shows that they don't fear God. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, and this right here, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So they've got some kind of idea about God, but they love the pleasures more than they love God. That's the world we live in today. And if we don't make sure we've got this word hid in our heart, friend, we're going to find ourselves swept up by the, the, the flood of this world. We've got to keep the word hid in our heart. He wrote again to Timothy further in chapter 4. He said, preach the word. Listen. Now, Timothy was a pastor. He was a preacher. But we preach the word with our lives. You don't have to get behind a pulpit to do that. But you live in reverence to God and people are going to see your walk. They're going to see your behavior. They're going to see the way you are. And they're going to wonder what that is about you. And that's what they're going to find out is because you fear God and keep the commandments. Don't let nobody make you feel like you're outdated, old-fashioned, or, or some kind of half-wit because you believe in God and keep the commandments. There ain't nothing greater than to fear God and live holy and righteous before Him. There ain't nothing better than to live your life by this book. Don't let nobody make you feel small because you say, I believe in Christ. This world don't believe in him. They don't accept him. They don't, they don't want nobody following him. Uh, they, they would just soon rub him out. They, they, they find with every other religion but Jesus. But don't you let nobody make you feel like you're, you're, you're some kind of just dummy because you, oh, you're just some kind of, uh, you know, just uh, you've been brainwashed. and you've been, what, You call me whatever you want to call me. But I can promise you this, I ain't turning my back on the one that saved me. I'm not going to disrespect him, and I'm not going to give you the, 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 the pleasure of seeing me uh, not uh, live my life for God just because you think it's nutty. Hey, I think, you know, there's a lot of people in this world doing a lot of crazy things. My son posted something about that. Day. I said, you know, I ain't apologizing for living my life for God. Praise God. So he said, preach the word. Now be instant in season, out of season. That means be what you are. No matter how you're feeling, be who you are. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will be turned unto fables. That's why you need to hide that word in your heart. That's why you need uh, the fivefold ministry in your life. We need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers because they're for the edifying of the church, for the perfecting of the saints. That's why you don't cut them voices out of your life. 
Don't let nobody tell you. Don't be listening to some man up there behind a, a pulpit with a microphone because they'll, they'll tell you. Don't be listening to no preachers. Don't be listening. To, you, you just live for God. You just love God and worship God your way and do whatever you want to do. You'll be fine. No, you won't be fine. You won't be fine. You won't be fine. You're not going to be complete or perfected in the way that you should be without the fivefold ministry touching your life. You need apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers because I need to be completed. I need to be edified. I need to be protected. I need to hear something that's going to just add another layer of thorns to the hedge to keep me from being devoured by this world. I don't want to give the enemy an opportunity to slip in. So you keep building that hedge. You keep building that hedge. Don't ever think, well, I, got I think I got enough thorns there. You keep building it because them thorns will dry out. Them thorns will start getting brittle. They'll start breaking, and, and it might be a little discomfort, but they're easy to run through. Keep building. Keep building. Just keep hiding that word, keep reading that word, keep listening to the preaching, keep applying the word to your life, keep praying, fasting, seeking, keep fearing God. This world's coming to an end. I don't know when, but as we get closer to that end, we need to make sure now more than ever before that we are living among the thorns. Moms and dads in this room, you listen to me. You better make sure you're setting the example. You make sure you're setting the example because school ain't going to do it. The government ain't going to do it. Hollywood ain't going to do it. Celebrities ain't going to do it. And, and look, and, and most of the time at the church, we get them, these kids for just a few hours out of a whole week. But you got them at home. You got them on your phone. You got a time. You be an example of fear God and keep the commandments. You teach them the word of God. Don't teach them while they're young. Teach them before they can talk. One God, there's one God. That's the greatest commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Teach them that. I was teaching him to do one God before he could do anything else. I would have rather heard him say Jesus than Daddy any day because I want him to know that Daddy can't save you, but Jesus can save you. I need you to know that there's a God. I need these children to know that there's a God that they can turn to, that they don't have to live like the world. They don't have to go after the world and the things of the world. But teach them. Teach them to love God, love his ways. Teach them to fear God. Don't make fun of God. That, that word fear, that reverence, it, it's our attitude and it's our behavior. And, and ooh, ain't nothing just makes my skin crawl more than somebody to joke about God. Now, I ain't talking about saying, look, like, because you hear, I, I make y'all laugh from up here all the time. I know that. I'm just talking about when, when people take it too far. Don't, don't, you know, there's plenty of things to make jokes about besides God. You know, there's other religions like in, in, the, in the Muslim religion that 
they killed these cartoonists because they drew a cartoon of Muhammad, of Allah, and they found them and cut the head off. Said, you don't make fun of our God. And man, but we got people making cartoons of God, making you know, cartoons of Jesus and, and putting Jesus on signs with, with all kind of stuff hanging off of them, saying Jesus is my homeboy and things like that. There's plenty of other things to, to enjoy and to laugh about. Man, laugh at people falling and hitting their head or something, but, you know, but, but, you know and then pray for them. But don't, don't, don't make fun of God. Don't make fun of God. Don't, don't make jokes about God. Don't make jokes, don't make jokes about the Holy Ghost. Don't, don't, be, don't, don't, don't take a bite of food and say, oh, this food's so good it make you speak in tongues. No, it won't. No, it won't. Don't say that. Don't say nonsense like that. Don't do that because God gave you the Holy Ghost. It's His Spirit. And, and, and some measly piece of food ain't going to have that effect on you. Don't even joke about stuff like that. Don't, you know, God, oh, is that what they think about my precious gift that I gave them that's going to take them out of here one day? Mm -mm. That's what that fear, hey, it's a learning process. Don't get me wrong. But fear God. Keep the commandments. Stay behind that hedge. Honey, come to the music. It's 8 o'clock and I'm fixing to stop. You can stand with me tonight. In a world full of chaos, man, we need peace. Jesus said, I'll give you my peace. Not like the world gives. He said, but my peace. What is that peace? Is it the Holy Ghost? Is it, you know, you know I know a lot of people that have the Holy Ghost, but they don't have no peace in their life. The psalmist gave it to us. You should go through and read Psalm 119. And it will simply reinforce how valuable the Word of God is to your life. Psalm 119 and 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law. And nothing, nothing shall offend them. You know how you can make it through this life? You know how you can have that peace that passes understanding? You know that peace that the Lord was talking about? He said, when I, I'm going to give you my peace, that word. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That word is so important to us. We're born again by the word of God. He, he was talking about a new birth that was coming. It was coming with the word. And, and in that new birth should be peace. And great peace have they which love thy law. Do you love his word? He didn't say great peace have they that understand everything about my law. Sometimes we don't understand everything that God's doing. But I love his word because there's just something about it when I read it. It's like you, it's not like a work of fiction. It's not like anything. It's like when you read his word it's like talking to somebody. It's like somebody talking to you. It's like you're having a, an interaction. It's not just reading 
but you're getting something from it. It's feeding you because we live by every word. But then it keeps you from getting tripped up because nothing shall offend them. If you have a hard time with people, that's why you need God's word. People just drive me crazy. But when you have that word and you love his law and love his word, it gives you the right viewpoint, perspective toward others. You realize they're just people. And they're probably having a bad day. So instead of being offended and slapping them or cussing them out, I just love them. I love my enemies. I love them that, and pray for them that despitefully use me. I just... Are you really going to let somebody that aggravates you cause you to trip up and lose your walk with God? You going to give them that kind of power in your life? No, sir. I'm going to fear God, keep the commandments. I'm going to see him one day and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise God. Let's, let's lift our hands and pray together tonight.